any means necessary on Radio Sputnik in Washington, D.C. I'm your host, Sean Blackman, here with Jackie Lukeman. And as always, we are your guide for connecting the political, social, and economic movements shaping the world around us. And it's Friday, which means it's time for another edition of our weekly segment, The Red Spin Report, where we discuss sports, politics, and struggle with Nate Wallace, co-host of the Red Spin Sports Podcast. Nate, thanks so much for joining us. Hey, glad to be back. Absolutely. And Nate, for today's Red Spin Rewind, where we take a look at sports documentaries, movies, and other media, we're going to discuss the 1994 movie Blue Chips, which starred uh, Nick Nolte, had Alfre Woodard in there. We got a brief scene with the great Lou Gossett Jr., a real-life NBA star Shaquille O'Neal, Penny Hardaway, uh, Larry Bird makes uh, uh, a cameo in there. We have Dick Vitale and, uh, you know, some real-life. Uh, legendary college uh, basketball coaches, Bobby Knight, Rick Pitino, Bob Cousy, Jerry Tarkanian, and others. And uh, this is a movie about a uh, struggling college basketball program that tries to be clean, tries to stay away from the dirty money and the corruption that oftentimes comes along with college basketball, but basically gives in for uh, the sake of victory. And, you know, I feel like it touches on a uh, number of very relevant things in the world of college sports here, Nate. And so just wondering some of your top line sport, uh, you know, thoughts about this uh, classic movie. Yeah. I mean, I think like in summation, I'll kind of start with my summation and then kind of work backwards. I mean, it's basically to me a, like a metaphor for like the dilemma of like the liberal idealist in this country. You know, this idea that, you know, academia is this uh, institution that's unblemished. It, 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 it's above it all. It's above the fray. It's above the capitalist marketplace, right? It's uh, it transcends all that. You know, just sort of like these people that you think of like old English literature professors that are, you know, just ridiculous idealists that are, you know, uh, you know, anti-materialists and uh, and basically in this analysis, it's like presenting the problems not as exploitation, not of poverty, not of like you know, you look at Penny Hardaway's character, uh, Butch McRae, and the, the kind of conditions they're living in Chicago, um, the, the the issue of small-time farmers being run over by you know big corporate farms in Indiana, um, you know, with, with that character, and uh, and, and you know, in you know, the town that um, that you know, Larry Bird is there and everything, and. And you have that, that whole, all these dynamics in play, you know, really, you know, point to not capitalism, not being a problem. It's simply just corruption. And it also, this whole like film starts off with the coach just tearing into the team in a way, y'all, y'all suck, blah, blah, blah. It's like, but coaches are like, we can jump on teams, but I mean, all the time, but like that, that was, a, you know, to me, pretty like not realistic. I mean, that's not the way you do it in terms of like during a game, you're trying to get your you know, guys to play. A certain level, you, you dress them down, but usually you fill them back up. And like, but, but nonetheless, the whole movie is just couched in like these endless examples of like kind of like moralizing and, and creating this juxtaposition between like uh, the the the, the, uh, the the down with the program boosters and this like principal coach who's just uh, a great soul, sort of like the way they're trying to protect, you know project this guy who's just you know having to compromises morals in order to survive what a shame it is instead of it being like you know what a shame it is that you know penny hardaway's mom you know needs that job so badly needs that house so badly that he literally has no choice but to stay in play like without any sort of agency of his own 
you know, and, and, and therefore in the coach, the same guy that's being hailed as this one who's having this great moral crisis about, you know, like, oh my gosh, we're sending the wrong message. It's all about money. It's all about money, you know, and it's like because of guys, like to me, the like hardly the biggest scandals or worst parts of the film are like the fact that the players made some money. You know, the guy got $30,000 for a tractor, right? You know, the Penny Hardaway's character's mom gets like a home and, and gets a job. Um, yeah, and then you know, even the point saving scandal. I mean, they win the game. It's like, but yet we're not meant to think of like the tragedy of poverty, the tragedy of like lack of opportunity. The way they portray like these guys as if like you know that he's got uh, you know the player at the at the beginning who ends up being the point shaving guy. Like he he literally is um, portrayed as failing TV class, right? You know, they just uh, it's like this institution that has virtue that is being tainted by sport and by the people that are undeserving that that brings along. And it's basically basically framing the villains as like the people that are the victims of capitalism, essentially, instead of the people that are the predators in this thing, um, you know, as being what they are. And like, this is, again, post-Cold War, post-Soviet Union, uh, triumphant, you know, end of history, uh, you know, Francis Fukuyama type stuff. And like, so it's just, you know, just total like triumph ne- neoliberalism type era. And it's with that comes all this romanticizing of you know, the marketplace and, and doing playing by the rules, right? It just it's all about fair play, right? If we just get just just get all the corruption out and just get fair play back installed and you know get back to our good morals and values, of course, abstraction, right? They can't materially be defined. Then somehow these bad forces will go away and will you know cease setting a bad example for our children. It's just ridiculous. It's funny. I, I I think of that movie and aside from, uh, you know, the the overacting of Nick Nolte, which I which always <laughs> amused me, always amused me how he's a consistent overactor. I mean, that movie just really has not aged well. And, no. you know, when we're when we think about the way sport is being examined in a lot of documentaries that are coming out on on streaming services now and the kind of corruption and the the very uh, pervasive influence of exploitation and capitalism that's happening in, um, uh, you know, all major sports uh, um, uh, leagues. And, you know, we're looking at the the player uh, struggles, the struggles of uh, the uh, athletes in the NCAA. I mean, this movie in particular has not aged well at all, uh, Nate. And I mean, I I think it's a a really good example of how Hollywood uh, indoctrinates us into thinking positively about the system of exploitation uh, in this country. Even through sport, we kind of think about that all the time through, you know, military movies and and that kind of thing. But I think this was a, a, a great point that you brought up about how Hollywood just kind of whitewashes exploitation, uh, even through the way it portrays sports. Yeah. I and mean, just look at the office scene when you have all the coaches show up in Chicago to go visit, you know, uh, you know Penny Hardaway's character, played, I mean, Butch McRae, played by Penny Hardaway. And you see the head coach walk out of the office and you see that you got Jim Beheim from Syracuse in there, Jerry Tarkanian, the shark, uh, UNLV running Rebels guy. You got some of the older, old, old time guys from the old Big East, you know, schools like St. John's coach. And uh, they're all in there. And the coach comes out and he's speaking. I, I mean, I know I'm hesitant to use like, and like slave metaphors, but it really is like an auctioneer 
talking about like, you know, come get your piece of our guys. You know, he's not, doesn't have a name like Wahad or he, you know, he, his name's Butch, you know, and like, he's like made like, you know, just come get him, come get him. He's like, he's going to win you games. He's going to give you this. And it's all about what he's going to provide for those coaches what kind of value they're going to be able to extract. And I felt like that scene really just like encapsulates everything we just mentioned previously about like this film and, you know, just the exploitation that's you know, being central to it. I mean, you look at the Shaquille O'Neal character too, like Neon and the things he says, like the way that they just automatically perceive him as being a certain type of way, you know, about the, the SAT store thing, uh, about the, uh, and then in the English class where he's asking about, you know, like, what about African literature and cultural culture? They're, they're using that whole cultural bias thing almost as a joke back then though. You know, it's like, you talk about how much the culture's changed. It's like films would not attempt to like kind of make that play anymore. So that that's one example of how things have changed. Like, you know, using that, they literally are using that whole cultural bias thing, kind of like, oh yeah, dumb jocks, you know, just opportunistically saying stuff like that to, you know, get uh, get sympathy. You know, like, it's just silly. Let's move on. And it's like, oh, it's not the silliest point, actually. You know, so yeah, there's so much wrong with like what goes on. Not to mention, I don't know if you noticed in the last thing, is that Bobby Knight's Indiana Hoosiers team are the only licensed team with NCAA, like, memorabilia yeah. paraphernalia. Mm-hmm. Like, none of the other... So, that's meant to create a juxtaposition between the corruption of Western U and like the sleazy boosters and allow Bobby Knight to be presented as like the knight in shining armor who does things the right way, pun intended, um, with his Indiana Hoosiers team are really the embodiment of traditional middle American, you know, old, you know, apple pie values essentially. And that's the contrast they're trying to create there, which is ridiculous if you know the history of Bobby Knight and how that's played out in the time since. So. Yeah, you know, and I really like that scene with with Lou Gossett Jr. that you were talking about. I mean, I hate that we only got that one scene with him. But here you have this black principal clearly resentful of these, you know, uh, white coaches from these uh, moneyed, uh, rich institutions, you know, sniffing around the mostly black boys. And so there was clearly resentment in, in the way that he kind of came out and, and said all of that. And then when he left in to uh, talk with Nick Nolte in his office, who he seemed OK with, I mean, they were clearly uh, very uncomfortable with it. And yet, you know, there were uh, I agree with you that it sort of lets the system off the hook in, in uh, uh, a number of ways. And, you know, just thinking about how uh, Penny Hardaway's character, you know, the fact that he was from Chicago, you know, Alfred Woodard was his mother. And I thought it was interesting because just last week we were talking about Hoop Dreams, which was shot in um, Chicago. And, and even the uh, apartment that um, Penny and Alfred Woodard and their family was in sort of reminded me of, of where Arthur mm-hmm. Agee and his family used to live. But what was funny was how they made it seem like, oh, well, his mother, you know, she's a piece of work and, you know, she she charges uh, schools to speak to her son and, you know, I can get her to waive that and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, making it seem they almost made it seem like Alfre Woodard, this this uh, poor working class black mother was strong arming this uh, <laughs> this basketball program yep. um, and to, you know, basically leverage her son for a, a, a better lifestyle instead of the other way around. You know what I mean? And so it's just a lot of little um, 
sort of juxtapositions and sort of ways you can put things side by side and the way that it uh, lines up with reality. And yeah, and I'm glad that you sort of got into the whole piece with Indiana because I did notice that and I figured that there had to be some kind of meaning behind it, but didn't quite know what it could be. But but I definitely think you're onto something in the way that you sort of broke that down, Nate. And uh, shifting gears uh, a little bit from a basketball movie to a real life hockey, a very serious situation with the uh, Chicago Blackhawks team and in a uh, sexual assault scandal to where uh, Kyle Beach has revealed himself as uh, a, a John Doe, a previously anonymous person who filed a lawsuit against the team in May uh, because he had made complaints to team leadership back in 2010 that Brad Ulrich, the video coach at the time, had sexually assaulted him and how his complaints basically went uh, uh, ignored until after the team won the Stanley Cup that season. So here was a person who had his position on the team threatened by someone in authority and it was swept under the rug until they could uh, win the big one. And so, I mean, it's pretty gross how this played out, Nate. I was watching an interview that that, um, uh, Kyle Beach did. He was very emotional in terms of how things have uh, played out. And so, I mean, you know, it, it, you know, what, 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 what do you make of this? It's hard to even really know what to ask in the sense that it feels just so indicative of how abuse is treated on a number of levels in um, the world of sport. But I mean, what's your take on, on this whole uh, Kyle Beach situation? Well, the first thing I noticed is like when Beach is speaking to Rick Westhead and TSN, which is the Canadian you know, sports channel about like what happened, interesting that like his first impulse and this is something you see a lot where like victims like internalize like you know sense of shame and blame that like he's the one that feels like he needs to apologize right and that like he wish he could have done more wishes he could have done more blah 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 and he's the one that like did report this did go through this himself um and yet i think that's just a common thing of how you know victims end up like the experience they have and what this does to people psychologically emotionally uh, but I think that ultimately when you see like the, all these people, like the coach and, and the GM, finally Bowman being out now, uh, you know, the, the coach had been down with the Florida Panthers and had, you know, been a highly successful guy, Joel, Joel Tenneville, and uh, basically finally now lost his job. But only after an outcry over like two nights ago, him actually being behind the bench coaching after all this came out, it just shows a, a total disconnect between like, you know, the NHL, like the, the rank and file of players and the, the, just the establishment of this league um, and the way they view things and like the reality of those things. Like, and the fact that this is not just some like, you know, issue of competitive advantage, you know, that that's the way they viewed this. They didn't want it coming out during the playoffs because it would have been a distraction. Now what happened because of that, this guy, Brad Aldrich was able to go on, take a job coaching teenagers in Michigan coaching hockey and then another kid ends up getting sexually assaulted purely because they didn't, they didn't want to inconvenience the Blackhawks, um, you know, Stanley Cup run by having their videographer, you know, having it come out to what he did to Kyle Beach. Therefore, it's just another example of how, you know, in this society, it's like always about promoting the virtue of the individual and like, you know, pointing out how under socialism, it's like, you know, the individual's repressed, the individual's restricted, freedom is denied, all this stuff. But what happens to individuals in the structure of a, of a corporate, you know, capitalist structure, when you're in the structure of a corporation within capitalism, you, your individual well-being is absolutely, um, you know, secondary if, if it matters at all, through like the institutional reputation of that organization that you are 
earning a wage from, earning a living from. And therefore, like all that, you see the hollowness of all the individualism and like, the way that like people like romanticize the idea of the individual being at the forefront in capitalism. When we so clearly see time and time again, the institutional reaction is always to cover up and always to protect the profit-making corporate institution above all else, right? So it's a different type of collectivism. It's just a collectivism for the uh, for the corporate entity itself, and uh, not for you know the people at large. Yeah, and even though an independent investigation uh, corroborated uh, Beach's allegations, where he named other uh, members of the team uh, um, in in his reporting of the assault, I mean. Not only did Aldrich continue to assault others, but he really, other than being fired, he really continued to get benefits from the mm-hmm. Stanley Cup win. I mean, so what what were some of the things that that Aldrich ended up being uh, rewarded with, even though the independent investigation found that he did, in fact, sexually assault uh, uh, this player? Well, I mean, he literally got to just prance around. I mean, in the Stanley Cup is the most famous trophy in sports, essentially. I mean, it's been around forever. Um, it's the same cup every year. You get your, you know, your, every name, every member of the team gets their name inscribed on the cup. Uh, his, I think, was inscribed on it, too. I don't know. It'd be interesting to see what happens with that. Um, he got to pose with the cup. He got to go around um, going on this, like, you know, tour. They, they go on, the team goes on with the cup after they win. Um, and getting to be celebrated as a hero, despite them knowing behind the scenes, like that this guy had done had done what he did. But yet, you know, let's just keep a wrap on it because this is just so inconvenient. It's so not something we want to have to deal with. Therefore, you know, let's let's let him go on, and then we'll also let him go be hired by another school to work with young kids um, and have a chance to have access to them. And surprise, surprise, what happens? We have more victims, right? And like, and it's just, and, and they're, yeah, what, what's the accountability? Even like losing their job at this point is, 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 is you know, compared to the harm that's been inflicted on other people's lives as a result of, you know, people doing the convenient thing instead of the right thing. And it's, it is indicative, it's endemic and, you know, decision making within corporate structure of U.S. society. And, uh, with, and that's endemic to, to uh, the, the capitalist economics. Yeah, and that is just really, you know, for me, just probably the worst aspect of this. I mean, what happened to Kyle Breach was was criminal, but the only thing worse than that was the fact that had it been handled properly, then this could have literally saved a child from being attacked. And I mean, it it just I mean, it just feels like such a glaring example of how important glory and and money and recognition and all these things, you know, in the world of sport and the deep exploitation that 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 happens there um, uh, uh, and just how it can really have a kind of impact on people that uh, I think oftentimes rarely gets seen. And I mean, I can't imagine what it took for Kyle Breach to, to, to go public. I mean, we know that overall, because of patriarchy and things like that, there's a real stigma um, around uh, uh, male victims of sexual assault. And then when you sort of wrap that up within the, the world of machismo of organized sports, 
and, you know, to be on a winning team and then to be a championship one, it's just so many layers that uh, can uh, 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 add to a person's victimhood. And, I mean, as such, I think a serious look needs to be given to the fundamentally abusive nature of a lot of these sports and ask some serious questions of how it can be changed. But we're going to leave it there for now here on By Any Means Necessary on Radio Sputnik in Washington, D.C. I want to thank Nate so much, as always, for joining us today. We'll be right back. So please stay with us. By Any Means Necessary. 